0: I'm Mark Andy. This is the Bookshelf. Why do smart and creative people get hung up on what to measure? Or the difference between KPIs, targets, and incentives? What about black hat and white hat testing with KPIs? And what the heck is Rocket DS? I'm thrilled to have Bernie Smith on the show. He's the author of KPI Checklists, and his newest book is Gamed. You're going to enjoy hearing from Bernie Smith. He's now my favorite and likable expert on healthy and smart KPIs. I'm Mark Gandy. This is CFO Bookshelf. Our visit with Bernie Smith is coming up next. (music) Bernie Smith is our guest. If you do an Amazon search on KPIs, You'll find his KPI checklist book at the very top of the search results. Now, we'll be spending most of our time talking about his newest book, Gamed. Fascinating background, but this instinctive problem solver, yeah, he started his career as a consultant, but his degree is in engineering.
1: That's right. That's right. So my entire career has been driven by irritation. So- Frustration and irritation with things that don't work properly. So, all, it's it's a common thread running through my life. Um, I see a problem and I want to sort it out. So, work my my engineering career was driven by the urge to to make things work, and I tended to get pulled towards things that were broken, things that needed sorting out. Um, I sort of stumbled across a consulting career when I saw an advert in the newspaper. So you can tell how long ago this is, uh, saying looking for innovative young engineers to solve industrial problems. I thought this sounds exciting, so I spent a number of years traveling the world working on huge processes, paper mills, sugar production, that kind of thing. Um, it was all about scratching that itch, you know, finding problems and fixing them. Um, and, and really, that's the thread I've pulled on all the way through. So um, I looked at the consulting process and the bit of the consulting process that didn't really seem to work very well was measure selection. And I knew it didn't work very well because I saw people arguing about it, debating it, getting stressed and frustrated. So I could give you the, the, the full breakdown, but I won't. But that's that's how I went from designing mechanical mechanisms through to uh, coming up with uh, better ways of choosing KPIs and better ways of setting targets.
0: You So if we throw out the name Bernie Smith – it may or may not be a household name however any business student or any business manager who's interested in KPIs i'm sure they've done like a million other people they've gone into amazon and keyed in the word KPI what book is going to come up at least on the first page it's going to be your uh it's going to be your KPI checklist so you're the guy behind that book and and I want to tell on me when Ben Lamort, who's been on the show, our most downloaded show on OKRs, uh, when he mentioned you and said he'd be a great interview, but Bernie Smith, name was a ringing bell. So I go to my Kindle, guess what? And I, I read it a long time ago, KPI checklist. <laughs> so I, I, I feel embarrassed. So I'm telling myself, but how did you become, go from being engineer to becoming a KPI guy?
1: That's an interesting question. So there were a series of short hops. Um, like, like most people, you don't make a, well, like a lot of people, you don't make a radical change. But I started as a design engineer. So I was, in fact, if you go right back to the start, I started designing large steam turbines for power stations. Um, long, slow process. It takes 10 years, typically, to go from what you've designed to seeing it happen. I'm a bit impatient. So I joined a small specialist engineering firm doing stuff that was a bit more exciting. So I designed things like a giant butterfly-shaped sunshade for the top of a hotel in the Middle East and moving stages for the Royal Opera House and that kind of thing. Interesting, but still a bit of an itch to scratch. I wanted to travel more. So I saw this advert in the newspaper that I mentioned, and I travelled the world for about five years doing what's now called Lean Six Sigma, but before it was called that, because I'm old. Um, Really enjoyed it, but very stressful. Lots of travel, not relationship-friendly. Exciting, though. So... I looked at this and I thought, well, the problems I'm fixing are just problems. They're not specifically engineering problems. So I then had the next tranche of my career, which was working in banking, applying those same tools and techniques, but in UK retail banks and also global investment banks. So retooled. So you you can use the same tools, but in in a different way. Applied those techniques uh, in that sector very successfully. Enjoyed it, but noticed this common theme, which was, frustration, debate, uncertainty about what to measure, how to measure it, how to define it. And by this point, I'd realized I wanted my own business. So I needed a person-sized segment in the market. Um, I wanted to focus on something that I'd spotted a problem with and that got the conversations with people who had money, to be blunt. So, you know, chief executives, C-suite people who are prepared to pay to solve the problem. And that's really how I honed in on KPIs. And the book, KPI Checklist, came about when, for about the third time, I was drawing out the same flowchart to explain how we could fix the KPIs in the bank that I was working in. Can, can, I, thought, can, well, can,
0: can I be rude real quickly? That on. that flowchart is brilliant. I'm sorry, go on.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Well, the, the flowchart you see is actually kind of like the third attempt um so yeah i found myself drawing it out for the third time and whenever i do something repeatedly little bell goes off in my head and it says this should be proceduralized this should be automated this should be on a document that i pull out and walk through and that way you can spend time polishing it and getting it right and reuse what you've done so that was the light bulb that went on um i then reverse engineered what i've been doing for the past couple of years and thought okay How can we explain this in a practical sense? And I looked at it and I thought, no one's ever going to read a book like this for fun. You read a book like this because you've got a job to do. Um, And I decided to make it a how-to guide. So the idea was, as concisely as possible, in as few pages as possible, how could you walk someone through starting with i need to create kpis through to having fully working kpis and that's that's where the idea of the book came from and then really the rest the rest has been about refining that spotting problems and gaps expanding the method to to sort of solve some of the edge cases and some of the unusual situations
0: i i don't know how to ask this question it's about kpis in general there's probably some 300 to 400 religions across the globe, and that's probably a very soft estimate. Well, if you and I were to walk down downtown, downtown uh, Manhattan, and maybe let's, how about Wall Street, and we find business people, hey, what is a KPI? I believe even in 2022, we'd get... 10 to 20 to 30 different answers. Are we still where we were 20, 30 years ago about the definition of a KPI?
1: Well, it's interesting. So um, I actually look at Google Trends quite regularly to see what's happening. So Google Trends tells me that more people are talking KPIs. Um, What I have to do every so often is pull myself up, because if I talk to people who aren't in my field, they go, KPI what? So it is big within a little world, but there's lots of people who don't recognize the term. Um, I think there is there is a gradual migration towards recognizing they're important. But there is still quite a lot of confusion. I regularly get people who confuse targets with KPIs, which for me is quite a fundamental difference. Um, and the other thing is people go, well, we don't need KPIs, we've got OKRs. Well, <clears throat> OKRs are great. <laughs> they're not really an alternative and i i see you nodding so uh i'm guessing we're, we're I mean, going to exactly
0: yes and we're on the same page uh well i just had to ask so let, let's jump into your book gamed now we could probably spend a whole <laughs> we, we could spend several hours on this and by the way i want to give you some kudos in the book and i think the pdf content the extras or maybe for the audio, the audio book, but even in the Kindle version, there's a download that takes you to your website and there's there, gosh, there's about eight or nine different PDF documents. So I'm just saying there are a lot of goodies, even if you get the Kindle version. And I just wanted to say thank you for that. That's not supposed to be in the script, but anyway, kudos. That's a a
1: pleasure. uh, I,
0: I, uh, I, I put,
1: I put a lot of time and effort into them because I'm intensely visual. Um, and one of my favorite tools when I was um, in the sort of general improvement world were things like A3s. I don't know if you come across A3s. But yes, the, I have, in the lean world. Yep. Yeah, encapsulating an entire project or improvement stream on one sheet of paper is hugely appealing. So I love being able to summarize things on one sheet of paper. And the the templates that I've built for game are designed to be in that spirit. And you'll find that the target template is a one pager. The incentive template is a one pager and they're designed to be printed out large, written on post-its, everything else, because I'm visual. And I think a lot of people are as well.
0: So, sir, Bernie, do you want to hear first impressions from one of your customers, one of your readers? Yeah. The, the first impression, the very first impression is this is not a book about, Oh, let's go Google. Let's, let's go pick some. I mean, you have a very, now, Again, you're an engineer. I've worked with a lot of engineers, so I'm not surprised, but it's a very methodical, thoughtful, framework-based process of coming up with company KPIs. You also have a sample company, an example company, which I thought this just makes it more sticky. First impressions, I liked the thought process. Have you been hearing that too from some of your readers? It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration.
1: Well, thank you. Um, first of all, thanks, thanks very much for the positive feedback. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, having spent decades running workshops i've got a very good understanding of what turns people off and that is abstract thought uh, lots of rambling and no clear actionable points so i've kind of reverse engineered that and and that's what i've tried to do um Yes, the, the feedback's been positive, but hey, I'm the author, so no one's going to tell me anything bad to my face. Um, the reviews seem to have been very positive as well. So uh, yeah, it seems to be hitting a nerve.
0: We're, we're going to hit the process here in a few minutes, but I have I do have a mm. second impression. It's To me, it's still, it gets five stars. But this is a 14, is it 14 steps or 15 steps? I thought I read 15, but in the as I was working my yeah. way through the content, so, it may have been 14. So-
1: it, it it goes up to number 14, and the reason is we start on step zero. And the okay. reason is that step zero is if you've already got targets and incentives, so it's an optional step. So it's 15, but it stops at 14. <laughs> I
0: apologize if it, I – No problem. Uh, Well, my question is I work – not not all business owners are like this, but I work with some people who are, are in a hurry, like mm. let's move fast. Could this ever be – could this ever be potentially, could we do a sprint and could we take the 15 or 14 steps and do a seven-step process? Now, we'll still do Absolutely. the could, – could you do that? And I feel like I asked an engineer No, no, no. It's, it's this, a really
1: good it's, – it's a really good question because if, if I'm honest, I look at that or I looked at it when I created it and my heart sank a little bit. That's a lot of steps to follow. Anything more than about three, and most people start getting a bit distracted. Um, I and mean, there's two 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 reasons why it's um, 15 steps. Firstly, it's both the target and incentive methodology. So there's no requirement to go all the way through. If you're just designing targets, it's the first 10 steps. The second thing is it's complicated. You know, the reason we see so many failed targets and incentives out there is because this stuff is hard. People are complicated, People are incredibly creative when it comes to working around the constraints they've got. If you've ever played a board game with your family, you'll know this. You know, people cheat like crazy. Um, But what I would say is typically you'd only use this method on important stuff, big stuff for your organization uh, in its entirety, but there are elements where you can take them out and you can use them anytime and any place. And if I were to suggest one part, that would be what I call black hat testing. Um, and this is, this is something that I've um, shamelessly borrowed from the military. So you have Red Team, Blue Team in um, yes U.S. military. They have sim- yes. similar in, yes. in other military operations. Because they've realized that you cannot spot your own weaknesses. You need an adversary to find your weaknesses Big and you see it with penetration testing with with um it systems um and this was the revelation for me i was sat in a scottish bank a few years ago and we were working on a problem uh, we were trying to set up a set of staff bonuses for um quality targets so they had a six sigma score we were talking about how these would be rewarded and i just asked the group i said okay you know, you're you're a bright bunch of people. You've been doing this job for many years. If we introduce this scheme, what would happen? What would go wrong with that? And they lit up. They literally exploded with ideas of how they would game the system. Well, we do this. You get your friend to mark it. You know, you'd mark each other's home, and they just came out with it because I wasn't a threat. I wasn't their manager. And they all wanted to do a good job. They were fed up with being given silly targets. So um, this was a real real revelation for me. And I think if there's one thing you take away from the method, particularly, well, in fact, both of the, both the target and the incentive methods, it's test them before you launch them and test them with the people who are going to be measured against them and make sure that when you test them, it's not their manager asking the question. Try and use a trusted third party who's not going to, fire them or mark them down at the end of the year for being honest. Because in my experience, is, my experience is that people are amazingly motivated to help you come up with sensible, effective targets and incentives because they do not want to have to do stupid things to hit their targets. So that would be the one thing that I would strongly recommend.
0: I'm a little disappointed, Bernie. You said where the, the idea of black hat testing came from. I thought it came from The 1903 flick, The Great Train Robbery.
1: Ah, well, the name did. That's a very, very perceptive comment. So, the concept. Well, I, of, um, I
0: read the book. It's in the. It's in the.
1: Yeah, book. no, I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> you got me on my toes. um Yeah, so so absolutely. I mean, if you if you've ever watched westerns, um, you know that the the, the good guys have uh, white hats and the bad guys have black hats. So it all goes back to to that uh, great train robbery. Um, so that's the terminology I use. Um, but it's it's a concept that's been used time and time and again over the years. And you see it being used all around us, um, just not necessarily formally recognized or, or sort of replicated. I,
0: if 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 I were your speech writer, Bernie, sir, if I have permission, never ever use the word complicated with your system. Instead it's it's thorough and complete. You said complicated. Thank you. It's not. It's thorough. And it's complete. And there are some foundational pieces that to me are universal in any business and white hat, black, uh, black hat testing being one of them, which again, I'd really not thought about that. It makes sense, especially in light of what we've learned with uh, 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 VW uh, and also uh, uh, Wells Fargo. So those are two examples you you brought up in the book, Mm. but You've kind of already answered the question. You you wrote the checklist book. Why gamed? And and again, that's maybe self evident. You've evolved, but but why the book gamed? Which just came out, I believe, in twenty twenty one. Right?
1: That's right. That's right. I wrote it over the summer. Um, it was called Gamed because wherever you look, um, every every set of news headlines, there seems to be an example of people manipulating the system to achieve a target. Um, I picked a a dozen strong examples that I could share in the book, but whenever you look at the headlines, yesterday there was a discussion going on about energy classification in the EU, so different forms of energy generation. And the idea is that we're going to encourage green energy production. So the EU has decided to include natural gas and nuclear power as green energy. Well, it's blatant input misclassification, which is one of the failure modes that I talk about in my book. Um, the government decided to send out a 100,000 COVID uh, tests a day uh, at the start of the COVID epidemic. So for every request, they sent out three sets of tests, three times as many tests as required, so they could hit their target of how many tests they sent out every day. And the more you look, the more you see this gaming going on. So that was really trying to encapsulate the problem we're trying to solve here, which is people just hitting the target by all means necessary and missing the original intent.
0: And the light just went off. Here, I've read the book. I've gone through. I've gone through your PDF documents. The light just went off. Why did it take me so long to figure out? That's why you named the book "Gamed." I just. I, I'm an idiot. Um, so you you can smile and agree with me and say, Mark, you should have figured
1: no, that no, out. No. sorry, it doesn't work on a, on a podcast, does it? But I, I was I was nodding indulgently. Oh, so my yeah, I, I mean, it's it's probably a misspent youth playing board games for well, me. I, but it, I, it, I th- it seems so seem to be the word.
0: Well, so what has been the response so far? I I'm, I don't always ask authors that, but because you and I know some similar people, we were talking about one in the the green room, if you will. Uh, mm. how, how what's been the the response so far? I think, I think
1: um, head-slapping realization, I, I think, is one of those things where once your eyes have been open to it. So, so the last time that happened to me was I was reading about dashboard visual design, um, people like Stephen Few and Edward Tuft and, and whatever. And you read about visual design. And then you look at the world around you in a slightly different way. You pick up reports, and you very quickly go, well, that's the problem. Well, clearly, you know, clearly they've used too 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 many visual cues there. Clearly, they've not got consistent layout. So what happens is it changes the way you look at things. And I think that's what happens with gamed. Um, there's a sort of drip, drip, drip of, oh, yes, of course. Yes, I recognize that. Yes, that's true. And then by the time you get to the end of it, you can't look around at the world around you without recognizing all of the strange behaviors that are going on because they are completely repeatable and consistent there's there's about 30 different failure modes but once you identify them you can see them everywhere and i think this is what what i'm hearing from people that you know they're starting to see the same things coming up time and time again and it's changing the way they're looking at the world now it's it's a slow process and you know people are busy but i'm hoping um if there's one thing that comes out of the book it's It's a new language for describing the dysfunction of targets and incentives and a way of systematically dealing with it. That's what I'm really hoping people come away with.
0: Let's get into some of the content. Uh, We won't give everything away, but let's say that I am one of your brand new clients. So I'm going to say, Bernie, this is exciting. Uh, As my homework, I'm going to go and work with my team and we're going to brainstorm some KPIs. I think I'll go into my industry and do a Google search. So Mm -hmm. that's the starting point, right?
1: (laughs) Okay. So um, that for me is a little bit like deciding that you're going to do, say, a home DIY job. And you turn the light off in your garage and you walk in and you randomly pick some tools up that are lying on the bench. And then you walk out the garage, you look at what you've got, and you realize that. You don't have what you need to do the job. So my, as you you know, having read KPI Checklist, the, the, the theme that runs through all the way through all of my books is KPIs are just a servant to whatever it is we want to do. So we need to be very clear on what we want to do and what we want to happen. Now, if you pick them off Google, you are picking up someone else's set of tools for their particular job. And there is zero guarantee that it's going to do what you want to do. It's a bit like being on the freeway and following the car in front of you. You you may get to where you want, but there's a pretty good chance you won't. Um, And it's just the same with with Google or you know with googling KPIs or with taking someone's ready-made list.
0: I like you started to give a definition of KPIs, and I, I just want this is right out of your book. A KPI is a measure of how we are doing. At something we care about. Now, this is not a quote; I paraphrased it, but it does mm-hmm. not tell you if something is good or bad. And I think that is a great—that may be the best definition. I'm not just saying this; that may be the best okay. definition I've ever read of a of a KPI. So, I think starting there—that that's that's the best place to start with that definition. Uh, well, thank you. I- a few minutes ago, you, you you hit on this, but KPIs, targets, incentives, they're all different. Can you expand That's right. on that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it, it took me quite a long time to work out what was going on. Um, but the, the the example I use, if you want to know the difference in very simple terms, is it's New Year. If I get on the bathroom scales, the weight on the scales is is my KPI. It just tells me how heavy I am. Now, without telling you how tall I am, if I told you I weigh 220 pounds, um, you know, if I'm five foot tall, that's quite heavy. If I'm seven foot tall, that's pretty light. So there's no context, it's just the number. I just weigh 220 pounds and that's it. Now, if my target was 200 pounds, then I might be disappointed. If my target's 240 pounds, then I might be delighted. So they're two different things. And KPIs don't have value judgments. It's when you look at them in the context of targets that they start to become meaningful. Now, the final part of it, incentives. I may have promised myself a Apple Watch if I hit my target of £220, or I may decide to put a padlock on the fridge if I go over £180. So those are incentives. Those are things that do or don't happen as a result of hitting the target. Now, for me, it's really important to separate them out. Um, I worked with a business bank in the UK, and I remember talking about KPIs with the, the, the business bank managers, and they visibly looked shaken at the, the, just the mention of the word KPI. And it took me a little while to figure out, but they'd actually kind of merged the terms KPI and target together and incentive. So basically, if they didn't hit their sales target, they were toast. They were they were out of there, and they had no compunction about firing them. So it had all been conflated into this one-term KPI, and it was impossible to have a calm, sensible conversation about what we should measure without all the emotional baggage that comes from hitting your targets, not hitting your targets, or being fired. So th- they all need to be considered, but You get a much, much better conversation if you first decide what we're going to measure, then you have a separate conversation about how we're going to set the targets and what level they're going to be at, and then we then decide on what incentives or disincentives we have with them. Um, So you need to peel away the layers of the onion and deal with them one at a time, and that's the way to, to not become overwhelmed.
0: Again, what you just said needs to be repeated and repeated and repeated. One thing I think about the KPI, what are we going to measure? I was also thinking as I was reading the book. Well, there needs to be a why, and and then I also think of it as immediate feedback. Am I winning or am I losing? And that's not for the manager to decide. It's for me, the the the, the person who's made being subjected to that incentive system. So hopefully that KPI can tell me. Wait a minute, something's not working. So there's an element of self management. Now you didn't really get Definitely. into that, but but it that those thoughts were triggered as I was reading uh, again, this is outstanding. The, again, the, the delineation between KPIs targets, incentives. I've never seen that in a book about KPIs. So again, just very well done. The other thing I want to bring up is, is a uh, rocket DS, a uh, rocket DS. Now, again, this is a, this is your customer speaking. Mm-hmm. This is the way I, Thought of Rocket DS, which by the way you're going to explain it. But my first thought was, oh wait a minute, desired results. I want to weigh a certain amount, and here's an effective target. Oh, and then there's the stuff in between. How I'm going to do it? That's my view of Rocket DS. Do I disappoint you, or do do I get it? No, no, no. That
1: sounds great. So the the big the big challenge when you come up come up with an acronym is really two things. Firstly. Well, three. Firstly, m- making it sound not stupid, um, because there's lots of terrible acronyms out there. Secondly, tying it back to something meaningful. And thirdly, making sure you can trademark it. Um, and it's surprisingly hard to come up with um, something that satisfies all three. And the idea, so Rocket DS stands for results-orientated KPIs, which is this whole idea of working backwards and, from the outcome. And by one. the way, for the Sorry. for the
0: sake of of... of- Radio the, uh, theater, of the mind. Uh, say that one more time. W- w- what it stands so for: results oriented.
1: Results oriented KPI effective target hyphen design system.
0: I know that sounds like a mouthful, so but it, if if you don't even say anything, it's like you're going to get it. It's like I pre- I think I know what this this means. So I'm sorry to interrupt, but good. I, I just it it no, it, no. it does resonate.
1: It's funny. Um, coming up with a name for things and making it easy and intuitive to understand is probably almost as hard as coming up with the methodology. Um, I spend a surprising amount of time kicking ideas and names around. So, uh, thank you. It's good to know that it's uh, it's landed pretty well.
0: We 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 can't use the idea of if you were visiting with a six year old that that's that's too over the top. How about maybe a teenager? Uh, a teenager you're having coffee with them how would you explain basically in about 10 minutes what are the key most important steps of rocket ds
1: um so probably a bit quicker than 10 minutes um i would say that the way i would explain it is probably starting by talking about board games you know talking about how when you first learn a board game like uno or monopoly you start playing, and very quickly, you grasp what the objective is, you grasp the basic rules, and then probably about 10 minutes in, you figure out where the gaps are in the rules. So then you pick up the rule book and you start looking at the edge cases, and if they're well-written instructions, that will often sort it out. But inevitably, you'll get to the point where there's a heated debate about something that's not in the rule book and is ambiguous. So you can end up writing your own rules or creating your own rules. Anyone who's played something like Rummy Cup knows that every edition has got different rules because people keep on finding holes in them. Um, So that's how I would explain the challenge, um, which is people are clever. People are very good at finding gaps and holes and good at finding problems, particularly when there's money involved. So they get very, very creative when there's a lot of money on the table or a lot of pressure or threat. So we need a way of getting our arms around that and figuring out how things will go wrong. Um, And the first thing that we've discovered through looking at things that have gone wrong is just measuring one or two things is not enough. Very, very few situations where one metric... Will tell you how you're doing and in fact a lot of the problems that we see with you know companies going straight after profit or emissions or whatever is because they focus entirely on one thing so we need a selection of things to to help keep us on track kpis to keep us on track so the way we do that is by building a handful of kpis by working backwards from what we really care about at a high level so you know having a healthy planet having good personal health you know having a long-lived respected company whatever it is the really high level stuff so we don't get too lost in the minutiae of winning in the short term so we need a basket of measures we need to look at them as a whole and we need to test them literally play the game see where the gaps in the rules are fix the rules Um, And we also need to make sure that we don't force people to do silly, dangerous, or stupid things. Because the other thing that we notice when we look at things that have gone wrong is often very high levels of incentive. Olympic gold medals, huge amounts of money, stock options, push people very hard to cheat. Um, We also see that there's other things such as weak rules, weak enforcement, Poor examples being set by senior managers that also make failure more likely. So what we need to do is we need a set of guidelines and principles where we go and we look. We say, look, this is how targets and incentives have failed before. Here are the problems that we typically see. Would these cause us trouble? So when we when we test the rules, we don't just get people to try and break them. We might even give them some clues and say, okay. You know, in this situation, if there was poor supervision, what would happen? You know, if your life depended on hitting this target, what would you do? So we can even feed them some some raw material to help them cheat, help them bend or break or stretch the rules and see how that goes wrong. And we basically go through rewriting the rule book as many times as we need until we run out of ways of breaking and cheating. And then we're probably at the point where we've got a set of targets that are going to do the job. Um, and we also we can't just walk away at that point we need to police and manage them properly and probably uh, develop and, and evolve them with time as well because situations change but that's that's the basic principle behind it be clear on what we want to do don't just measure one thing measure several things test the living daylights out of those targets and incentives you know make sure the rules are absolutely crystal clear and then manage and police them properly when they've been implemented
0: I'm making a prediction. If I were to walk by that coffee shop and if I saw you having that conversation with that teen, I would predict that I bet he has a napkin and he's got a marker and he's also diagramming <laughs> a little, a little, uh, framework or some type of a flow chart. I I'm certain you'd be doing that at the same time. I, I want to, I want to hit a couple of big ideas. There are a lot of cool ideas. Uh I I th- have have you heard of the Beatles? Yeah, small band from Liverpool. Um, yeah, 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 they've been on TV a
1: couple of times.
0: They're, they're, so in, c- in case you hadn't heard of them, but uh when they got into the era of the studio years, which I believe is some of their greatest uh, innovation, um they would only put music out if it was unique and interesting. So there are about 6 concepts that I thought were unique and interesting, but I'm boiling it down to just three. So again, these are cool. And we've already talked about one, dang it. But I thought the concept of white and black hat testing was absolutely brilliant. Had Wells Fargo subjected themselves through a white hat, black hat testing process, could there a debacle back in 08, 09, whenever it was, of, of getting all of these new customers? Would 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 that have would we have even read about that in the headlines? And by the way, before you answer that, you may need just just kind of a recap of what is white hat and black hat testing. Again, yeah. I love the so, idea.
1: So yeah, well thank you. Thank you. So white hat testing is Everything works as we expect it to. So, you know, we offer an incentive. People sell more. They do it in an ethical, responsible way. We make more profit. The customer's happy. Great. Everything's golden. Typically, organizations are pretty good at doing that because that's the only testing they do. Um, Where it gets interesting is you say, okay, how's this going to get broken? If we start offering bonuses, sales bonuses to our sales staff, what will they do to hit those bonuses in a way that? really doesn't help the organization where it puts us at reputational risk where it puts us at legal risk where it leads to customer detriment and that's where it starts getting interesting Um, for any financial business that's interested in doing that there are heaps of examples and Warnings out there. So, the UK banking sector, they've just finished compensating the consumer for 50 billion pounds for mis-selling of payment protection insurance policies. And all the behaviours that we talk about in Wells Fargo were replicated in that situation. And it comes down to very profitable products, intense pressure to sell, and very little or no accountability for selling appropriately, for following the law in terms of conduct uh, and for the outcomes of those sales. So were any financial services organization to, in good faith, white hat and black hat test their products, they could almost certainly avoid the catastrophes that we've seen. The question is whether they would do it in good faith. And that really comes down to how the senior team, how the chief exec and the C-suite are rewarded because if, they are genuinely interested and rewarded on good outcomes for the business, then they will show an interest in testing the the incentives and targets for their staff. If, however, it's a a smash and grab, you know, they just have to hit the profit target, then we can expect them to not show that interest. So it really goes all the way to the top. How is the top person or the top people uh, in the organization uh, rewarded and incentivized. And typically what you see further down the organization is simply an echo of that. So it really has to go all the way to the top.
0: I'm not trying to embarrass you. The more I listen to you, I feel like I'm listening to the voice of reason, the voice of wisdom. And I, again, I'm just, I'm really impressed the more I'm, as, as I'm listening to this conversation. Uh, the other cool idea I thought in this book, and again, there, there are about six or seven of them, but Number two is owner agency. Now, as a finance guy, agencies usually, you know, the the role. So for example, if I'm a CEO, my agency capacity, maybe with the board of directors is, well, I've got this fiduciary responsibility. I've got these other responsibilities, but I also have this agency capacity with my customers, my employees, and myself and, and getting a bonus. But that's not what that is. Um, no, and I again. This was very. I I think this is this addresses your bank issue, not meeting the goals. So let me shut up and explain what is owner agency.
1: Of course. Uh- English language is is a funny thing, and words have multiple meanings, so I apologise. No, it's okay.
0: Whatever
1: whatever word you pick, uh, it can sometimes be used in very distinct ways. So what I mean by agency, um, let me give you an example. Um, If we had a high jump challenge, you know, like the Olympic high jump, and you incentivised me with, you know, I don't know, a bar of chocolate to jump over a one metre high barrier, that's within my ability so i i have the ability to train and do that Um, if you then offered me a million pounds to jump over a two meter high bar it doesn't really matter how much you offer me i am physically incapable of doing a two meter high jump so in that situation i don't have agency i can't make it happen by any means other than cheating and what you see is Typically, when people will bend rules, stretch rules, or break the law, it's because they've been put in a situation where there's a really, really powerful incentive or disincentive, yeah, a, a big reward or the threat of being fired, and they don't have the ability to hit that target. And that's what I mean by agency. An agency can be one of several things. It can be the resources, the time, the ability. But if someone's missing those, it doesn't matter what the target or incentive is, you can't overcome it by simply heaping reward or punishment on them. You need to go back and look at what's possible. Um, so, I think considering agency would would help avoid an awful lot of the problems that we see with targets and incentives. You know, thinking about is this actually physically possible?
0: I was going to say in my notes in my Kindle as you were explaining it, I wrote a note. I would not ever change the word agency. I love it, but maybe call it agency capacity because really you're you're here, do they have the capacity to, again, make make that jump as you're describing, but the tacit knowledge you're bringing to KPIs, again, the white hat, black hat testing, the the owner agency, again, outstanding. One more, and this one I've been, this is, this is where I would almost pay to hear this answer. But incentive design, can you address through, now again, you can't name names, but from clients you've gone and worked with, can you share some really bad incentive designs where you had to say, okay, you know we're going to have to scrap this, right? Or we're going to have to improve this based on this KPI work we're doing. Are there just some that just jump off the page from, from past experience?
1: Um so so yes, there's there's a few. Um the, the one that you just see time and time again are salespeople who are incentivized on things like average contact average contract value. Um, you know, where salespeople are incentivized to get stuff out the door no matter what the cost to the business. Um so you see You see businesses sending stuff out the door, not making money on it, selling to people who don't really want the product, who are going to send it back, stealing your own business from, you know, future diary dates or from different geographical regions. So um, salesmen are, are potentially, you know, make or break a business. And they are an interesting group because they are pretty much uniquely motivated by targets and financial reward. Um, I talk in my book about how a lot of people are not necessarily entirely motivated by money. Uh, surprisingly few, actually. It's a lot about intrinsic reward. But salespeople tend to be a subset of the population that are extremely target motivated and extremely financially motivated, which makes them particularly dangerous. So if, or or, or good, depending on, on how you target them. So that's one that keeps on coming up time and time again it's things like contract value turnover and sales value rather than profitability and long-term well-being for the organization Um, let me think about uh when there's some other interesting ones that i can share um i need to need to mull on that one i'm sure one will pop pop into mind but uh, you know how it is
0: and i think this may be implied but white hat and hat testing needs to be applied to any incentive system that you come up with. Correct.
1: Uh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the thing. If, if you're going to do one thing, it's, it's do that. Sorry, just, just um, going back to the, to the example of incentives, probably the worst incentives I've seen have been around safety. Um, so, the thing that that makes me despair and you see regularly are incentivizing people for zero reported accidents and zero accidents. Um, it, it, I can get any organization to zero accidents, zero reported accidents in a day. You just stop reporting them. Um, and of course the problem with that is that you don't address the underlying problem and you're more likely to kill people. So I'll give you one example anonymously. I work with a major food business that had a zero fire target. So they stopped reporting fires and they started reporting thermal incidents. And they never reported a fire. It was always a thermal incident and at a stroke they had zero fires.
0: I'm I'm speechless that it's yeah. ridiculous. One other thought that comes into mind, and I keep going back to the white hat, black hat testing, it also just makes me think of the law of unintended consequences. If we roll this out, if we roll out this incentive practice, are there any unintended consequences that could happen? And that was also mulling through my mind as I was thinking about that, that concept. That's not really a question, but mm. again, I just, I can't, the law of unintended consequences. And you can probably find a flaw in every incentive plan, but I think there are going to be laws of, <laughs> laws of severity, or or it could be that, yeah, this could happen, but it's not going to be, it's something, it's a risk that we can uh, manage or, or handle. But mm. I- am I off track?
1: No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, what's interesting is the the degree of structure, detail, and control you need varies by organisation. So, if you're in an organisation of motivated peers who've all got a similar vested interest, so if you're working, you know, in a professional practice or perhaps a, a an employee-owned business, the behaviours that you're likely to get are very different from a completely casual sort of. You know, online situation where there are no negative personal or long term consequences for um, for gaming the system. So every situation is different, and yes, I think there there will be situations where well, there's always going to be situations where you can't necessarily game every situation. You know, you can't you can't white hat black hat um, test them. So I think there'll be fewer if you use the Rocket DS. Will there be none? No. That, that's never going to happen. It's about it's about heading some of the worst problems off at the pass and trying to make sure that we don't end up on you know on on a um, jury stand somewhere or you know uh, in the papers. Um, there is there are no absolutes, but what we've got is a series of steps and behaviours and and tests that we can apply that reduce the chance of that happening. Um, the only the only thing you might want to watch out for is becoming too process-based in terms of choosing your targets and incentives. There's always a place for ad hoc, quick, nimble decision-making. But the question in that situation is, okay, what's at stake here? If it's, you know, offering someone a crate of beer for hitting a target, fine, don't sweat it. If you're going to end up in court with a regulator, then you might want to go through the full Rocket DS process. So keeping a sense of perspective and making sure that we don't put everything through the sausage machine is probably a good idea.
0: I have more questions. Can we do this again in a few months? You, again, Absolutely. again, you are the voice of wisdom and the voice of reason around KPIs. I, I, I just want to, I want to do some name dropping. We've had on Stacy Barr. For me, that was a. She's like a hero oh, uh, to right. me, and um, she's very funny. I, I sent her a baseball bat. Uh, for here from the States to Australia. And uh, I, I want to tease her sometime because she doesn't know how to hold a baseball bat, but uh, <laughs> she, she, so she's to me, probably the voice in performance uh, management. Uh, we've had on Dean Spitzer, who I think a lot of people don't know him. He's getting into a, a season of life where I still see him on LinkedIn, but He's he is one of, he's a voice of reason when it comes to performance mm. management. Uh,
1: I've got tremendous respect for both of both of those, oh, those names. Absolutely.
0: You mentioned, and I was impressed. Uh, you mentioned uh, Edwin Locke, and, and his his, uh, his research partner. We've had on Doctor Edwin Locke uh, a few months oh, wow. ago, and uh, that was a thrill. I mean, he's 81, 82, and it was a, just a phenomenal. Uh, conversation, and we've had two or three uh, data analytics people, but we have not had on anybody just to talk about KPIs. I've now come to the conclusion that you're the only person I ever want to talk to about KPIs because, again, I again, I and you need to hear me out. Uh, you're not bombastic. <laughs> you're not full of yourself, and and the other thing you just said something is you said something about don't make this too process oriented yet coming from an engineer, you're not legalistic on this, but I still believe, I still believe in the process and you've got some mm. central tenants uh, to this rocket DS. So, so anyway, that was a long winded uh, explanation of why I want to have you back uh, in the future. Well, I
1: mean, I'm incredibly flattered and um, so much. So I will definitely come back. I'd be honored.
0: <laughs> well, so you've got the floor. You, just just say anything you want about your practice uh the other books we only talked about two of your books and this game being the predominant one but talk about talk about uh, i think it's made to measures made to measures kpis.com but talk about your work you got the floor
1: thank you thank you as a structured introvert this is my worst nightmare it's like freestyling but no um seriously um there are huge there's a huge number of challenges out there and everyone's doing different things. You know, there are some themes which I've written the books on, um, but you've probably got a particular requirement. So what I encourage people to do is I give a lot of my material away for free on made-to-measure-kpis.com. So that's made-to-measure-kpis.com. If you head there, a lot of the templates that we've talked about, a lot of the methodology, even many of my videos are on there. So that's a good first port of call. So just like my books, start with, what challenge you've got and if i can help you fantastic if i can't then you know check out dean check out stacy they may have something for you um so start at made kpis.com if you have a particular interest um say in corporate kpis then a book like KPI Checklist will help you. But all of my books are listed on made-to-measure-kpis.com, So you'll see books there, and each book is explained in terms of what it's good for and what it's not good for. Um, I also have a, a burgeoning e learning website, which is KPI.academy. So at the moment, I'm just taking my first group through their ROCKS KPI Black Belt, which is a um, three month program where we cover the rocks method and we cover lots of the specialist methods that I've developed over the years. Um, That website will be having more and more content added. Now, as an incentive, there's a free community on there. So there is the open KPI community. So if you head over there, you can join that for free. There's a direct line to me through the um, community space and I'll be sharing materials and talks on there as well. So two websites to remember, madeomeasurekpies.com and kpi.academy.
0: So I need to make a double plug on your behalf. If you're a KPI person, get the book gamed. You can afford it. Just get the book gamed. But here's the (laughs) other plug I want to make. If you find yourself in a hurry, in the very front of the book, click the link that will allow you to do the downloads. And I think they're in the first PDF document, it's about 53, I think you call it notes, I apologize for not getting, but I think it's called gamed notes. It's 54, 55 pages that you could, that's a standalone in and of itself. You're going to get it. I mean, the light is going to, Oh, I get it. So I would make sure that that's, you
1: are for the audio book actually it so, is
0: well, I clicked I got it from the, from the Kindle version. So, oh, okay, great. Yeah, it is in the Kindle version. So, so your, your, your publicist, your editor, somehow that got in there. So I'm just saying, or maybe <laughs> good, maybe it wasn't, good. but it is good. I mean, really good. So I, is that a shameless blog?
1: Oh, I, you, <laughs> you keep going. I, I'm loving it. In fact, I think I'm going to buy a copy. No, oh, that's fantastic. Thank you, Mark. I'm, I'm very, very flattered and honored.
0: Uh, well, back at you, Bernie. It's been an honor to have you. Again, thank you for, for being on. Brilliant. Well, a pleasure.
1: And I look forward to, uh, to revisiting these topics with you in a, in a few weeks or months. Thanks so much.
0: are listening to cfo bookshelf lifelong learning for financial leaders and now back to our host mark gandy behind bernie's back i'm calling him the likable expert the voice and reason behind smart and healthy kpis let's wrap up with five questions to ponder number one You heard Bernie's definition of KPI. What is yours? Number two, why do so many people in business debate what KPIs to use and why? Number three, now this is not a question, more of a homework assignment, but let me put this in the form of a question. What is... A3 problem solving. Now, if you are a lean expert, you know what A3s are. So I have a different question for you. How can A3s help with KPI design? Now, we did not get into that in the conversation, but it came up and as I thought about it, it wait a minute, A3s can be very helpful or supportive in this Rocket DS process. That Bernie teaches number four. This is getting hard. We talked about white hat, black hat testing. Which of your company targets should be subjected to black hat testing, and why? That's a that's, that could be a tough one. And then number five, can you clearly delineate the difference between a KPI, a target? and an incentive my money is that you can i know you can but maybe this is the bigger question of those three have they been decoupled in the business you run or work in that may be the better question Bernie Smith, the author of Gamed and KPI Checklist. Check him out on Amazon. We'll have his books in the show notes page on CFO Bookshelf. And you can find him at made KPIs.com. And don't forget his new site, kpi.academy. I'm Mark Gandy for CFO Bookshelf. Again, a world of thanks for listening.